Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Listen, we're in a very prophetic season as a church. I've said this several times, but I'll say it again because it's very important. You need to understand how God does what he does. If God wants to perform a million miracles, he only needs to perform one. Because there is a law of ripple effect. What God does for one can impart an entire generation. And I'm telling you what is historically and biblically true. God told Abraham, he says, I will bless you and make you a blessing. He said, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's how God talks. And so God wanted to create um, billions of trees around the world. What did he do? He planted just a garden. And every tree had the capacity to produce after its kind. God wanted to create billions of humans. And what did he do? He molded just one. From that one, he made the woman. And those two became the fathers of all nations. Listen, he called the man mankind. Adam was not named. Adam is not a name. Adam is a title. It's the Hebrew word for mankind. And think about it and understand how the blessing works. Imagine one person called mankind. So not one person. Mankind was walking around. Not one person. Listen, you can carry something that is not for you. You can carry something for a generation. You can carry something. Listen, there is something called eternal excellences, the joy of many generations. There is something that God can rot in you that will be the tale of coming generations. And that's how he works in people, and that's how he blesses people. I said that to say this, when you see what God is doing in your local assembly, don't just see from an observation standpoint. See from a participation standpoint, knowing that every miracle is replicable. And so even if you are Peter and your 9 to 5 is a fisherman, you deal with water, but you never imagined that walking on water is possible. The day you see Jesus walk on water, you say, if it is you, ask me to come. It kindles in you an interest and not just an interest, possibility. Because in the realm of the natural, we learn by schooling. But in the realm of the spirit, we learn by proximity. Everything you see someone do is imparted to you to replicate. So Saul found himself in the company of prophets and what happened? So we learn by proximity. It imparts us. No matter what you memorize, be careful what you see in the realm of the Spirit. Please, are you listening to me? And that's why it matters what you focus on. In the realm of the Spirit, something else you know, you need to know. <clears throat> you are better ignorant than wrongly informed. Because you will only see as much of God in your life as you believe you can see. 
If someone convinces you that God doesn't work miracles, you will stop seeing miracles in your life. If someone convinces you that God doesn't want you rich, you will stop seeing financial miracles in your life. You are better ignorant than wrongly informed. And you must first recognize your bias and step out of it. Let me tell you this. Every teaching gift, everybody who has pastored for a while knows that um, every congregation has a bias. And they don't even know they have it. But there are some people, every time they hear um, a, prayer, a prayer sermon, there's a particular group of people that will come to you after service and say, Pastor, I was so blessed. That it stirred me up. And then there are some people, they just like the flow of the spirit miracles. That's what gets their attention. Oh, Pastor, I was so blessed. You know, it stirred me up and all of that. And then there are some people, they like doctrine. But here is the thing. You must recognize that you can limit God, limit supernatural experiences in your life. There is something called quenching the spirit. And as limitless and as boundless as the capacity of the spirit is, like a system that has limited supply of water, it must still flow it through a tap. And that faucet can be short. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that faucet represents your belief. What you believe about God. What does he want for your life? And whatever your bias is focused on is your limitation. I'm saying this for a reason. Because we want to talk today about excellence. And you see, um, one of the blessings of this ministry is balance. Yesterday we had a Bible study. Yeah. From the response, you can see how it was. Eight hours. No praise worship. No... Bible study, introduction to soteriology, great stuff. Not too long ago, we had deeper, and it was a revival experience. But there are some people that have made a message the message. So what we did yesterday is what they do all the time, just doctrine, no power. And some people, what we do today, we're going to do today is what they do all the time, the Bible says all scripture, not one, not some, all scripture. So scripture in its proper balance is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, instruction in righteousness and doctrine and all of that. So there must be balance in your life. Don't just be interested in prayer. Don't just be interested in um, miracles. Don't just be interested in doctrine. Don't just be interested in the flow of the spirit. Be interested in everything that God has made available for you. Say loud amen if you understand what I'm saying. So to bring what I'm saying to perspective, it is noteworthy and it is commendable in fact that many people have ex accepted the fact that God is a valuable treasure above all things. You have not really understood salvation if you don't seek him above all things. Listen, it's not enough to desire God. You must desire him above all things. It says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your might and with all your soul. That's, that's the greatest commandment in the law. It says the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so, there are many people who preach and emphasize that for Jesus you must be willing to lose all things. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So, it is a noteworthy aspect of consecration. That for Jesus, you can say no to good things. Especially in aspects where people try to get you to compromise. 
There are some jobs you cannot take. There's some company you cannot keep for Jesus, and you should be happy with that and content. But some people have that as the totality of their devotional experience. There is more. Consecration is not for the sake of consecration. It's not for the sake of consecration. Let me analyze what I'm saying with this story. There were two ancient armies that we're about to face off. And if you watch Asian movies, you know that commanders like to charge their armies before they, before they fight, their soldiers. And so the, command, the first commander said, are you ready to die for your country? He said, yes. I said, are you ready to die for your country? Yes, I would. That's what he responded, something like that. And he said, now let's go. You know, and they went charging, ready to die. And then the second commander said, are you ready to die for your country? He said, yes. Are you ready to die for your country? They said, yes, ahu. He says, that's good, but you will not die. They are ready to die for their country. Make them die for their country. You don't win a war by dying. You don't win a war. So many people, they think about dying because it makes them look good. They think about it from a nobility standpoint. Do you understand? So when you say, take the whole world and give me Jesus, it makes you look good. And you're going to make heaven and that's great. But when it comes to taking as many people as possible with you, you don't say, take the whole world and give me Jesus. You say, give me Jesus and give me the whole world. Listen, in Christ, your ambition is redirected. It is not diminished. There is such a thing as ambition for a selfless cause. Most of the people that God used in the Bible were already content. God told Jeremiah, you will be a prophet to the nation. He said, I'm a child. He said, stop talking like that. Don't talk like that. Don't say you are a child. And that's a prophetic word to someone here. Stop saying you are a child. You are not too young. You are not too old. Don't disqualify yourself. Moses kept giving reasons why God should not use him. He said, I'm a stammerer. He said, I'll give you a prophet. He said, who am I to stand before Pharaoh? You know, God kept persuading him. Stop all the excuses. And I want to introduce you to a different type of consecration. I call it selfless ambition. So Moses, I beg your pardon, Abraham was self-content. You know, he was like, let Ishmael live before you. God says, no. It was God who took him in the cool of the night. Told him, look at the stars. Count them. He planted an image in Abraham's mind. Dream, Abraham. Stop thinking small. Dream. Count the stars. Don't be content with Ishmael. I will give you children like the sands of the seashore. Dream. So you must have a compelling dream. A compelling dream. When God tells 11 disciples, go into all the world and teach all nations, that's a compelling dream. 11 people, most of whom were fishermen. So now you have to develop the exposure, the boldness, the capacity. And what I'm saying, you will need. Let me tell you something. Many believers today act as if they are in Jerusalem in the olden days, as if the conditions are perfect, as if the government is ruled by the Torah, the Torah is the constitution, and as if the king was appointed by God. 
But you have to realize, face reality, the circumstances will not be favorable for your faith. You must now learn how to live in an environment of contradiction. You must learn to live as though it was the time of Noah, as if only you and your family knows the living God. You must learn to live like that and think like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so the Bible tells us in 585 BC that Babylon attacked Jerusalem, you know, plundered their goods, burnt their territory, and took many of them hostage. That's how come Daniel and many Hebrew boys found themselves in Babylon, in case you don't know. And now they found themselves there. Many of you are in Babylon, you don't realize it. Because when you look at the Bible, you don't see Babylon only as a thing of the past, but as a thing of the future. You see the story of Babylon in the book of Daniel, and in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, especially chapter 13, talks about a different Babylon, a spiritual Babylon. So what then is Babylon? Because in Revelation, the city called Babylon was already non-existent. So what Babylon was he talking about? He's talking about any spiritual system that tries to suppress your faith. And every believer today must learn to function in Babylon. You must learn to learn a thing or two from Daniel. How did Daniel stand out in Babylon? Three different ways. Power. The Bible tells us in the lion's den, the lions, their mouth were shot by an angel. That's power. I'm going to talk about that last Sunday of this month. You know, or we're going to talk about that. Power. You're going to need power, not English. <laughs> in these days. So there's power. When you walk through the fiery furnace and you're not burnt, I mean, even the king observes and says, we put three men in, we're seeing four. Right? Like Moses Bliss's song, song says, I'm the fourth man. I like it. <laughs> now that's powerful. You're going to pay more attention to it when you hear it now. Hallelujah. So we're going to need power. The second thing you're going to need is integrity. We're going to learn about that next week. The Bible says Daniel proposed in his heart not to defile himself of the king's meat. That's integrity. They said, let nobody pray, but Daniel will pray. Let nobody pray except to the golden image, graven image. Daniel refused. That's integrity. So in an environment of contradiction, you must remember who you are. You're going to need that in these last days. Can you say with me, say power? power. Can you say with me, say integrity? Yes. These two, the church has focused on. But there's the third one. It's called excellence. Daniel distinguished himself by excellence. Listen, let me tell you something. Daniel was irreplaceable. He served three different kings. Nebuchadnezzar, Belteshazzar, the kings kept changing. Daniel was still relevant. Excellence. They observed. They said, on you dwells the spirit of excellence, the spirit of the living God. And many people talk about excellent spirit and they don't even know what it means. It's not just the spirit that makes you excellence. Excellent spirit is a class of spirits, meaning the workings on Daniel's life improved the workings by the other magicians to be imposter. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is the excellent spirit. Others are imitations. Do you understand that? Now that's powerful. That's powerful. But some people, you know, when they hear about excellence, they're only interested in prayer, only interested in fasting, only, and, and listen, with power, 
Or let me put it this way. With integrity, you're going to make heaven. With power and excellence, you will take as many people as possible with you. Recognize where you are. You are in Babylon and you are a marketer. You have the values of your kingdom to represent. Be conscious of that. There are many metaphors that the Bible used to embed in you the consciousness of difference. One metaphor is light. He calls you light, meaning you are different. He wants you to recognize difference. Listen, you cannot change a people that you look exactly like. If you want to be impactful, you must recognize difference. Say, I'm different. He says you are different. He says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people to show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. He says you are light in the Lord. He says once you were darkness, now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So you must walk like it and talk like it. You must recognize difference. You recognize you are in Babylon and remember where you are from. And so as I share this with you, listen, I already know statistically only 30% of people do what they hear. But by the Spirit of God, the Bible says He works in you to will and to do. You are a doer of the word. What you hear today, you will apply. Amen. Say loud, amen. amen. So what is excellence? Excellence is... Descriptive of someone who is possessing of outstanding quality. It means to possess outstanding quality or superior merit. I take that again. It means to possess outstanding quality or superior merit. Hallelujah. So the Bible doesn't just say you are different. When it says you are light and there are darkness, it's telling you you are excellent. You stand out. And that's where you begin, by recognizing your nature, recognizing your difference. I want you to say that with me again. Say, I'm different. I'm different. Say, I'm a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I was praying weeks ago, and the Lord told me this. He said, do you realize that every believing Jew that found himself in another environment stood out? So immediately I scanned in my mind, Joseph, Daniel, Jacob. I said, it's true. It's true. What if you walked with the consciousness of where you are from? What if you walked with the consciousness that you are light? You must be different. You must. You must impart your world in a special way. There is something called supernatural advantage. It must be efficacious in your life. It must show that you have a different source. Why must you be excellent? Of the many reasons I can give you, one simple one is this, because of the sensitivity of your assignment. There are assignments that are too delicate for mediocrity. You expect doctors to be excellent. Isn't it true? Imagine someone, a doctor is operating you. After he has cut you open, his hand is shaking like this. 
And you say, excuse me, sir, what's happening? You say, anyway, don't worry, I'll be all right. I watched the tutorial on YouTube. Uh, just, <laughs> just give me time. You say, what, what do you mean? <laughs> tutorial on where? <laughs> you expect pilots to be excellent. You expect it. You just imagine mid-air. <laughs> Thousands of feet above the ground. The pilot just says, uh, hello, everybody. I just want to be accountable and tell you I'm not the one that was meant to fly you. But don't worry, by the grace of God. <laughs> now, when I said by the grace of God, you laughed. But you know many Christians talk like that. Everything by the grace of God. By the, the things, listen, the grace of God is so powerful and so important. But they use it as an excuse. Where they should walk, they say by the grace of God. Where they should put in effort and exert themselves, they say by the grace of God. God told me this. He says, what you receive by favor once in a while, you will receive by excellence every time. If you want to be consistently successful, just develop capacity. So yes, God gave a lot of people favor in the Bible, but you know what? He made his children excellent. That's the more dependable way to impart your word. They're going to have to stand out. They're going to have to stand out. The sensitivity of your assignment. You are in the business of souls. Make sure nobody who is doing what you do for money is working harder than you who is doing it for souls. If you are doing it for souls, you must work harder. You know, many Christians act like Christianity is a rotary club, like it's just another option. You see, we don't act as if lives depend on what we are doing. And so a musician who is doing music for money is putting in more excellence than you who is doing it to win souls. It makes no sense. Your effort must reflect your objectives. If you are doing it to catch men, to catch souls, look at the metaphor Jesus used. He says, I will make you a fisher of men. Meaning, whatever I do must catch men. Put in the efforts. Put in the investment. Because souls are at stake. Someone else wants the influence just so that he can steal money. You want the influence so that the ideologies of the kingdom can be propagated in your day. So your effort must be different. Come on, are you with me, somebody? All right, let's move on. I have a lot to cover, and I want to move as fast as I, I, I can. So what excellence will do for you? Let's go through that. What will excellence do for you? Number one, it will call attention. Excellence calls for attention. There are some people whose look today you will not remember. But there are some people by the way they dress, and this is just, a, this is just an example, all right? It depends on what you do. You might don't want to call for attention with the way you dress, but it's okay. But I'm just using that as an example. The excellence in your life calls for attention. Many people are campaigning for attention when attention must be commanded. Stop asking for audience, begging for audience. When can I see you, sir? When can I see you, sir? When can I see you, sir? You're going to have to demand it. 
by the excellence in your life, so that the queen of Sheba will hear about you and come from far. That's what excellence does for you. Let me tell you this. When many people observe the story of Daniel, they focus only on Daniel's side. And there is something to learn on the other side too. Think about it. The king wanted to appoint associates. But before he appointed the associates, he didn't see them. He put someone in charge to train them. So before they would ever see the king, he expected them to have a certain amount of training. If you're going to talk to kings, there's a, there's a level of exposure you must have. There's a way you must dress. There's a way you must talk. There's a way you must think. Many kings today are like that too. Listen, you might meet them in the lobby and say, ah, I'm a big fan, sir. You know, and exchange numbers. Please, I, you know, I'm a big fan. I want you to help me and all of that. When you leave that place, you will call, he won't pick. Have you noticed? But when you meet him, and you say, I'm a huge fan. You say, I've heard of you too. I've, I see what you did for this person. I heard about it. My friend told me, recommended you. He will call you also. It calls for attention. Whatever you are pursuing can begin to pursue you if you become excellent. Just put more effort. This is so important. What did I say is number one? All right, that's important now. Number two, just a final thought on number one, even though I'm trying to rush. It says, Gentiles shall come to your light and to the brightness of your rising. That's what attracts. Don't be mediocre. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Listen, if people have not heard of what you are doing, you are doing something wrong. It's a noisy world. If people are going to hear about you, you're going to have to stand out. Call for attention. Do it different. Do it like no one is doing it. Hallelujah. See, let me show you a text that people know, but you know, they focus on other things which are also important. And when I saw this, I mean, I, I, was, I was really touched by it. The Bible says in John 7, 37, it says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried with a loud voice, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And yes, what Jesus said is important. But how he said it and when he said it is also important. And if you are learning to evangelize your world, you must learn to say it how Jesus said it. When did he say it? On the last day, the great day of the feast. That was the final day. It had the most people. So now, you must think, how can I get what I'm saying noticed? So Jesus decided, I'm going to say it on the last day. I want everyone to hear it. So think, in your day, what are the platforms that you must use? What is your own great day of the feast? What calls people's attention? What platforms can you leverage? Stop winking in the dark. How can I get attention? Even in ministry, if you want to win souls, you're going to have to reach souls. You're going to have to go to where they are. And mentorship in the kingdom is proactive. In the, in the, in, in the present day, it is proseges who approach great people to say, I've heard about you, I want to learn from you and all of that. But in our kingdom, you attend to people. You follow them and you say, follow me. You're the one asking. So attention is something you should be interested in. 
follow me, I will make you fishers of men. You'll be proactive about it because you're trying to save souls. You're trying to win souls. So ask yourself, what I'm doing, is it noticeable? Will it catch the attention? When God wanted to call Moses, he was wondering, what do I do? You know what he did? He set the bush on fire and the bush was not consumed. He knew it would catch Moses' attention. The Bible says when God saw that Moses stepped aside to see, he called him. So it's a lo- what I'm telling you is a spiritual law. In what you're doing, how do you call for attention? How do you get people to pay attention to what you're saying? Because listen, the Bible says, how shall they call on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? Preacher. So if you are preaching the gospel, even if what you are preaching will save men, they must pay attention to you. And the question is, why would they listen to you? That's the question you must answer. And so you must learn to do what? You must learn to do what? All right. And number two, it gives access. I've already dwelt on that. It gives access. So the king said, train them before you bring them to me. It gives access. Listen, before you seek access, build competence. Before you seek an audience, build competence. Competence, excellence gives access. It gives access. You know what the Bible says? It says, see thou a man diligent in his business. What did he say will happen? He will stand before kings and not before ordinary men. Just be diligent. Don't pursue anybody. Are you listening to me? This generation needs to learn what I'm saying. Don't pursue anybody. I want to say with all sense of humility, you don't see me up and down. You won't see me in every program. Since the day called me, I've faced front. I've minded my business. It's called focus, right? (laughs) You get it? Are you here? Are you there? (laughs) So it's, (laughs) it's important. Number three, excellence makes you memorable. Excellence makes you what? You know, one text that people always gloss over is John 7, 46. Context, a soldier had been sent to arrest Jesus. And he came back saying, no one ever spoke like him. Excuse me, sir, is that face your focus? He's our enemy. What do you mean? Are you part of them now? So he went there and heard the man speak. There is a type of excellence eh, that makes even your enemy, your enemies cannot deny what you have. They may not like you, but they can't de- deny the grace that you carry. You can be memorable. Whatever you do, make it memorable. Hey, I was praying two days ago, and the Lord told me this. He said, everything I give you is from my realm. He said, in my realm, there is no time. He said, he said stop doing things for your time. Ah, let me break it down for you. <laughs> If God, who influences you, is timeless and he gives you something, it must be timeless. 
Did you hear what I said? Because from your natural mind, when you want to do anything, there is a, you just have the subconscious tendency to do it the way others are doing it. You do it for your time. But if it comes from God, it must be timeless. If you do everything for your time, time will pass it. But if you birth things from your spirits, time will continue trying to catch up to it. You know, and as a confirmation, you know, the next morning after, my wife played an album. How many of you know Gen Z's Don't Talk? How many of you know? I'm sorry. I'll just play. How many of you know Rejoice Africa? Remember that album? How many? Have you jammed it recently? Go and play that album. That album is still solid today. This is almost 30 years ago they produced it. That album is still outclassing some albums now. Listen, you can be timeless. Some of you are looking at what other people are doing to do your own. But you can be memorable. That when they hear you once, make sure they only have to encounter you once. Just once. And leave them wondering. Listen, the people made an observation. They said he spoke like someone who had authority, not like the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus spoke different. In fact, people said, what wisdom is this? Jesus blew people's minds. He spoke with authority. At the age of 30, some historians even say 28 now. You know, talking with authority, saying, you have heard that it has been said, but I say. Challenging age-long theories. At that age. You have heard it has been said, you know, love your, um, love your... Uh, Enemies, hate your enemies. He said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Challenging age-long theories. It doesn't matter your age. You can be a veteran. Make sure when you come out, nobody can ignore. <laughs> there are some things that when you look at, if you carry your face, you will look again. Hallelujah. Be memorable. Be memorable. Don't just do things, uh, uh, well, they say we should do it. Think, if I'm in the business of souls, it must catch attention. They must not forget. When Jesus spoke to those guys on the road to Emmaus, their hearts were on fire. Are you listening to me? He said, didn't our hearts burn? Their hearts were on fire. Before they even knew who Jesus was, they, they could tell this is different. This is different. Please nudge the person by your side gently. Say, be different, be different, be different. <laughs> All right, to be sure you're following, what is number one? What is number two? What is number three? Number four, I'm just going to spend a few seconds on this. It makes you irreplaceable. It makes you irreplaceable. So, um, David was in a turbulent time. He wasn't safe out there. Second Samuel 18, 3. And he said he wanted to go out. People accosted him and begged him and said, you are worth more than a thousand men. He said, don't go. We, we can't replace you. There are some people, if they die, 1,000 people died. Did you hear what I said? Now, imagine such a person has a job. Imagine such a person has a job. You can be so cautious and so sensitive. You don't want to lose your job. But there are some people that are not replaceable. And so Miles Borough, Blessed Memory, said, it's very, it's very simple to increase your salary. 
people pay you based on how they value you. It says increase your value to that company. If you do, they'll be willing to pay you more. It's so simple. Excellence makes you irreplaceable. Imagine telling someone, he wasn't saying it about himself. He was not flattering himself. They said it about him. They said, you are irreplaceable. You are worth 10,000 men. What a perspective. You hear, you hear people say, you are one in a million. It can be true almost literally. It's true about me. Say that. So don't just make it a confession. Make it something you walk towards. You can be irreplaceable. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, don't forget, this is not just for information. This is for impartation. Let me run through this. How to be excellent. I'll give you four things quickly. How to be excellent. Number one, you must pick something to be excellent at. Let me shock you. You cannot be excellent at everything. So you must determine what is most important to you. What areas do you want to be excellent at? For you as a child of God, you must understand your divine assignments. You can't be excellent at everything. You must pick that thing, that thing that God has asked, asked you to do. Pick something to be excellent at. Number two, be obsessed about it. Listen, it is the obsession that makes you different. Because someone else will just do it in a shabby way. But excellent people, they pay attention to details. You must be obsessed. You know, they observed Jesus. They said the zeal of the Lord's house has consumed him. The things that made him angry, other people saw it and it didn't touch them. The disciples had been seeing people buying and selling in the temple and felt nothing about it. But Jesus won't take it. You cannot be excellent at what you are not obsessed about. It must be an obsession. Have you worked with people who don't share your values and every time you try to get them to improve, they think you are disturbing them? Those are mediocre people. It, it seems like it's difficult to work with excellent people if you are not excellent yourself. There will be a pain in your neck. But if you're going to be excellent, you must develop an obsession. So what is on your mind before you sleep? What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you wake up? If you are obsessed, you will take your time to do it again and again and again. What will be okay for others? You say, do it again. Add something to it. You go the extra mile. That's how to be excellent. Number three, you must learn to benchmark and exceed. This is something that many Christians don't know. <laughs> in the church, there is no competition, but not in the world. Are you listening to me? You know what Jesus said? He said, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted shall be uprooted. He was talking about the teaching ministry of the Pharisees. If I ask you any sermon preached by the Pharisees now, do you know? And they were the elite of that time. And Jesus came from the house of a carpenter. He said, I will replace them. Listen, if you are not competitive, you can't change this world. You can't change this world. And some of you keep looking inside. 
you are competing with the people that you should be collaborating with competing with other churches meanwhile your competition is outside out there you know what paul said he said the weapons of our warfare he called ministry war this is not a game the weapons of our warfare are not carnal they are mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations he said there is something that the opposition has implanted in the mindset of people i'm bringing it down with my teaching imagine that mentality so i'm not just preaching you know to add my own in my opinion you know some people preach in my opinion no i want to bring down i'm bringing a superior ideology it must be superior to what you heard outside casting down imaginations so when you talk about breaking tables paul talked about it that's how to break tables there are tables in people's minds Things standing erect, wrong ideologies. He says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. He had a competitive mindset. He used it often. He says, don't you know that many run a race but only one receives the prize? That was his perspective to ministry. That was his perspective. So look out there. What are you competing? What are you up against? The reason we are mediocre is because we are competing with other churches. You, as a gospel artist, see what the Grammys are doing. That's where your focus should be. That's what you are going in for. Not what the church next door is doing. Please, are you listening to me? You must benchmark. If you look objectively, if you didn't know Paul, you would think he was competitive. Are they apostles? I more. <laughs> Imagine that statement alone. Are they apostles? I more. I magnify my office. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody will believe in you. Let me tell you a simple law in life people will only believe in you when they no longer have a choice. You command it. <laughs> you command it. It is people who don't care if you believe in them or not that have people believe in them. <laughs> Do you understand? When you are campaigning, support me now, support me now. Eh, eh. You come with a force that cannot be ignored. So you benchmark and you exceed. What are they doing out there? I must benchmark and exceed. Some of you, you are not even doing what others are doing you are falling below the mark talk less of excellence <laughs> you're falling below the mark listen to what you produce look at what you produce this is not the world has gone past this one now ask yourself objectively let me tell you the truth because resources are limited people don't have unlimited money they will only buy what they really need it's an order of priority listen excellence is not an option you, you are either excellent or you lose business. It's not an option. Because people don't have money to share. And it's a pattern of existence that in every industry, winner takes all. Ah. Maybe I should. Did you hear what I said? That in every industry, 1% is catering to 90% of the customers. <laughs> If you don't make up your mind to be excellent, you will be small. And it wasn't God that made it so. 
Are you listening to me? What did I say is number one way to be excellent? What is number two? Number three is what? And then number four, very simple and achievable. Always do it better the next time. Always do it better the next time. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, what I'm telling you is in your spirit. You know it. The spirit realm recognizes it. Do you know what it means? That for eternity, the 24 elders, they behold God and they shout, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they will never be tired. Because there is something exciting to see every time they look. Come on, you didn't hear me. Every time they look. By the time you bow your head and lift your head again, there is something to see. By the time you bow your head and lift it up again, something to see. You should be like your father. Ah! They cannot see you finish. When you are from... Do you know where you are from? The things they are clapping about tomorrow will be stale. They will be stale tomorrow. There must be something new. Please, are you listening to me? Listen, I'm not just giving you information. I'm shooting something in your spirit. There must be something new. Something new. Don't clap too long. Move on. Improve. Add something. Hallelujah. Because you are like your father. Hallelujah. Remember what I said. Eternal excellency. The joy of many generations. You know, I saw a, a young preacher reading Kenyon and I asked him a question that many people don't even know the answer to. I said, how many years ago did Kenyon die? He didn't know. I told him, I said 65 years ago. See, as a Bible teacher today, if you are still, you have not, the things that Kenyon said 65 years ago, you have not still understood it. You don't you see there's a problem? How can a man who died 65 years ago still have a more vibrant teaching ministry than many pastors who are alive? Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Look at great ministries in this country. I say this respectfully and with trembling knees. They don't really last. After the demise of the set man, they don't last. There's a dimension called eternal excellency. For eternity the joy of many what can you believe for that I'm asking you can you believe for that you can stand the test of time you can you can you can that's why many mentorships don't last because after a while <laughs> you know when the person leading you is not growing I'm speaking fact some of you know what I'm saying you have to keep growing. You have to keep And then when you, when you stop growing, you'll now be using blackmail, control tactics. You say they are not loyal. But you're not improving. You're not improving. Make sure you continue to be an inspiration. It's a decision you can make. It's a decision you can make. Are you a doer of the word? Yes, sir. What is number one? Be 
All right, I want you to take notes so you answer those questions. What am I going to be excellent at? When you get home, what am I going to be excellent at? And what is number two? See, when we see your search history, we must know what you are seeking to be excellent at. Your search history. The pages you follow. Don't forget what I told you. In the, eye, in the length of the spirit, or in the realm of the spirit, sight is important. You must see repeatedly what you want to become. So you must be obsessed about it. Number three. Come on, I'm not feeling you. Number three. Benchmark and exceed, right? Ha, 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 ha. I feel tempted to talk on that, but no. And then number four. All right, that's a smart goal. So next week, you can be better than this week. Upper week, you can be better. Change things in your shop. Just change something. Hallelujah. You know, when I look at the decoration of our ministry, even inaugural service, we didn't have money, but we tried our best. See, with, with effort, you'll be surprised what you can do. Don't say there's no money. The Lord said that this is your year of light. In that field, you are distinguished. Listen, the wisdom of, on, of God on your life is bringing men of repute from afar. They are coming to observe and to learn. Listen, the wisdom of God has granted you access. The wisdom of God has granted you access. You have access to rooms where the decisions are being made. The wisdom of God has given you audience of kings. I take that again. The wisdom of God has given you the audience of kings. By the wisdom of God, you recognize supernaturally the things to improve in your life. The wisdom of God has brought an end to mediocrity. It has brought an end to laziness. Listen. Let me tell you this. It's a scripture you know. But if you learn to meditate on it, it will change your life. He said, it is God who walks in you to will and to do. So a natural man will say, I want to write a book. After chapter 2, he will be tired and stopped. He will stop. But you, God walks in you to will and to do. Listen, so by the energy of God, everything you have determined to do, you will do. Everything you have determined to produce, you will produce. In the mighty name of Jesus. The natural man will have resolutions and stop in February, but God works in you. Ah, Lipate Venegas. Are you listening to me? To will and to do. See, all the decisions you will make 
consistent with excellence. The grace for consistency has come on you. Let me tell you something. If you look at my life the last 10 years, not one ounce of motivation has dropped. It's a grace. It's a grace. It's a grace. He says, even the young men shall faint. He says, but what did he say about you? He says, they that wait on the Lord shall what? By the anointing of God, your strength can continue to be renewed. It can, it can be renewed. Nobody who has the anointing ought to get tired. That you, people are gathering around you to encourage you, you are discouraged. You don't want to try again. You, with the grace on your life, he said they will mount up with wings as eagles. They will walk and not be weary. They will run and not faint. I prophesy by the energy of God, you will not be frustrated. You will not be tired. He says, one shall put a thousand to flights and two shall chase 10,000. That's the testimony of your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. May the things that you produce shake this nation. May the things that you produce shake your generation. May the things that you produce outlive you and outlast you. God has made you a joy of many generations. God has made you a joy of many generations. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings. <laughs>